Revolutions Per Minute is a weekly radio show from the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America, recorded live at WBAI 99.5 FM in Brooklyn every Tuesday at 7 p.m. RPM is about doing the work, the work to build a democratic socialist future. Each week, hear the latest news, analysis, and organizing experience from the minds and hearts of activists fighting every day in New York City. Join the movement at socialists.nyc. Hey, what's up, New York City? This is Amy Wilson. You're listening to Revolutions Per Minute live from the new WBAI studios. We are a socialist radio show and podcast from members of the New York City Democratic Socialists of America. Once again, my name is Amy Wilson. My pronouns are she and her, and I am a worker and organizer here in New York City. With the battle over abortion rights raging in the United States at local, state, and national levels, we here in New York State cannot become complacent that access to abortion will always be guaranteed here. Economic, social, and logistical barriers prevent many people from accessing the care they need, and without decisive action to change that, working-class New York residents, as well as people living in the surrounding area, will continue to be at risk. Tonight, I'm joined live by Chelsea Williams-Diggs of New York Abortion Access Fund and Ali Bohm of the New York Civil Liberties Union to discuss the state of abortion access in New York State and the important bill their organizations are supporting in this legislative session. We will be taking your calls later in the show around 745, so we hope you'll stick around for a great discussion. But first, the headlines with Caroline Van Zeitz. Hello, listeners. This is Caroline with your headlines for today, Tuesday, January 16th. In local news, Mayor Eric Adams announced that he will reverse previously announced budget cuts to the NYPD and FDNY. He did not mention any reversal of cuts to libraries, schools, or parks. Adams is set to unveil his 2025 budget plan on Tuesday. In 2023, the Civilian Complaint Review Board, CCRB, received the highest number of complaints of NYPD misconduct since 2012. The police commissioner followed CCRB recommendations in 55% of cases last year, down from 71% in 2021. City Comptroller Brad Lander announced an investigation into Mayor Adams' policy of limiting migrant families with children to 60 days in shelters. Nine people were arrested for blocking construction crews from filling an illegally constructed tunnel underneath the global headquarters of the Shabad Lubavitch movement in Crown Heights. In an oversight hearing last week, Rikers Island detainees complained of continued dismal conditions at the facility, including lack of access to basic items such as mattresses and clean linens. In election news, state assembly campaigns for DSA-endorsed candidates Claire Valdez, District 37 Sunnyside, Eon Huntley, District 56, Bedford-Stuyvesant, and Jonathan Soto, District 82, Pelham Bay, were mentioned in city and state's 2024 state legislature races to watch. For Revolutions Per Minute, this is Caroline Van Zeitz. Now back to the studio for today's show. Thank you, Caroline. Our headlines are brought to you by The Thorn, an incredible weekly newsletter by New York City DSA's Electoral Working Group, covering local politics and radical activism. You can subscribe at thethornnyc.substack.com. 
And now uh, turning to my two live guests here in the studio, I'm joined by Chelsea Williams-Diggs and Allie Bohm. Really excited to learn more about both of you and the work you're doing with your respective organizations. Um, but first, I'd love to learn about who you are as a person. Um, so can you please introduce yourself to our audience, describe your connection to tonight's topic of abortion access, and briefly share a little bit of your personal background or journey. In other words, why is abortion access a topic you personally care about? And Chelsea, let's hear from you first on this. Thank you, Amy. Um, it's a pleasure to join you tonight and uh, to be joined alongside Ali. Um, my name, as you mentioned, is Chelsea Williams-Diggs. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the interim executive director at the New York Abortion Access Fund, or NIAF for short. And I've been involved with NIAF now for about four years, um, but I've been working on issues of reproductive justice and social justice broadly pretty much all my life. Uh, my work is really rooted in Black feminisms. I'm a student of Black revolutionaries. And I kind of first was given language for my experiences and the experiences of my community um, in college and started kind of identifying as a feminist and was introduced to the reproductive justice framework. And that, of course, just um, it didn't introduce me to the actual work or, or the lived experience. Right. I had that strongly um, as someone who's grown up in low income communities, as someone who is black, as someone who's also Latinx and of a Cuban descendant on my mother's side. You know, I've been seeing issues of economic, racial and reproductive injustice play out in my life, in my family's life, in my community's life forever. Um, but of course, you know, getting the language, getting the political framework really strengthened my analysis and put me on the path to ensuring that my life's mission and work would be to finding justice in um, really kind of bleak circumstances. Uh, in reproductive justice specifically, I have volunteered as a clinic escort. I've uh, worked as a clinic or volunteered as a clinic escort at a clinic in Queens and that, of course, you know, showed me firsthand a lot of the barriers to abortion access in, um, in New York um, and in places that, you know, we consider to be safe. And I've also taught courses on reproductive justice and have been involved with NIAF. I first joined as a volunteer case manager, supporting callers directly on the line, joined the board, and now am our first and currently only full-time staff member. And yeah, as I mentioned, you know, my work is rooted in lived experience, abortion and bodily autonomy, bodily autonomy, bodily autonomy, excuse me, uh, is deeply personal. And as we know, the personal is always, always political. And while I live and breathe abortion, I'm, you know, very much always thinking about learning, questioning ways that we can connect issues of abortion and reproductive justice to broader struggles of liberation and freedom. And yeah, I'm learning so much and continuing to kind of deepen and sharpen my analysis in that way. Uh, but, you know, day to day, I am, you know, living, breathing abortion and am excited to talk more about the work that I do with NIAF and that I do in community with so many amazing folks uh, to make sure that folks get the care that they need and deserve. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Chelsea. And thanks so much for joining us on tonight's Revolutions Per Minute. And Ali, um, let's let's hear from you. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about you. 
Sure. Well, thank you for having me today. And uh, thank you, Chelsea, always. It's an honor to share space with you and um, really, truly humbling to, to speak after you. You know, I think where Chelsea left it is perhaps where I enter. So my name is Ali Bohm. I use she, her pronouns. I am a senior policy counsel at the New York Civil Liberties Union, which is a really fancy way of saying that I am a lawyer who works with lawmakers to make good laws and hopefully not make bad laws. Um, and I come into this work from an innate sense that if we can't control our own bodies, then we don't have liberty. You know, I, I feel, um, I, I resonate strongly with the, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote that, and she used gendered language. I think I would think about this a little more expansively, but she said, a woman's right to choose an abortion is something that is central to a woman's life, to her dignity. And when the government controls that decision for her, she's being treated as less than a full adult human being responsible for her own choices. And I think we know that our ability to control our reproductive lives is determinative of so many things. Our educational opportunities, our career opportunities, our economic outlook in life. And I think, you know, the other piece I would say is, um, as someone who works not only on reproductive rights, but also on LGBTQ rights, and who is a member of the LGBTQ community, my ability to control my reproductive life as, as someone who is capable of pregnancy also has to do with my ability to have autonomy in all parts of my life, including my ability to love who I love. And so I, I do see um, reproductive rights as very much tied into uh, a mutual struggle for, for liberation that doesn't end with abortion, right, but moves into you know, some of what Chelsea talked about for reproductive justice, the ability to decide to have children, to raise those children in supportive families in the ways that we want to raise those children in safe places, the ability to love who we love. I think it, it is a really foundation, abortion rights is a, are, are a really foundational right for all of that. I couldn't agree more and want to thank you both for sharing of your personal experience. Um, as Chelsea said, the personal is political and that's one of the reasons why we always start our conversations here on Revolutions Per Minute with just an introduction to the people in the room and, and what people are bringing to the various conversations. And it's a reminder that we're all more than our politics and our politics are shaped by so many factors um, in our lives and throughout our lives. And in that spirit, I, I just want to share, I don't think I've ever shared on Revolutions Per Minute before, uh, why I developed such a strong connection to the topic of abortion access. Um, but it's because I am the daughter of an abortion provider, um, among many other things is what she is. But my mother was a obstetrician gynecologist um, in a small town in the Pacific Northwest for about 40 years. So I grew up in the 90s with the threat of you know, um, anti-abortion violence against providers. It was very much hanging over my, my family. And that was my first sort of introduction to the idea that there are people out there who don't want us to have this fundamental right. And maybe that's something we can touch on later in the show. But 
yes, just want to put some love um, toward my my wonderful mother um, and thank her so much for raising me to be a feminist and for raising me to always support abortion, contraception, um, and all those very important, sometimes messy or discouraged from talking about topics that are so important to people's lives and deserve to have their moment in the sun and deserve to have honesty and transparency when we discuss these things. We're not, we're not in a closet <laughs> or a back alley, <laughs> if that's not too on the nose. So um, for those uh, you just tuning in to you are listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. And today we are talking about protecting access to abortion for patients in New York State and beyond with Chelsea Williams-Diggs of New York Abortion Access Front and Ali Bohm of New York Civil Liberties Union. So let's talk a little bit about those two organizations that you two are here from this evening. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the work of each of those organizations? And we'll start with you, Chelsea, again. And um, if you could talk a little bit about, as well, the general concept of abortion funding and abortion funds for those who may not be familiar with that as a, a type of organization. Absolutely. And so sorry, Amy, but just a quick uh, correction. It is the New York Abortion Access Fund um, not front, um, just in case folks are Googling or trying to follow us on social, um, New York Abortion Access Fund or NIAF for short. I'll probably say NIAF moving forward. Uh, but yeah, NIAF is New York State local fund. We support callers from the entire state as well as anyone traveling here for care, which as you can imagine is an increasing number of folks. And we are just one fund in a network of about 100 funds throughout the country. And there are also funds across uh, the globe. And funds are grassroots, right, community-led organizations that do a pretty simple thing, right? We fund abortion, meaning that for people who can't afford the cost of care, which can be out of reach for so, so, so many. And again, we'll, we'll dive deeper on that in a bit. Uh, we kind of help bridge that gap, making sure that folks can pay for their care and also supporting them and connecting them to other resources, whether in New York State, that's like Medicaid enrollment or other things, right? So many times, so many of our callers are dealing with, um, are quite literally at the intersections of so many crises and we're helping them connect them to different resources that can help them both access their abortion, uh, be safe, and also, um, you know, hopefully find support in other parts of their life after and during their abortion. And as I mentioned, we're, you know, a part of this larger network. We work deep, deep, we work in deep collaboration and community with abortion funds across the country, uh, as well as, again, across the globe. And at NIAF, I think what's important for me to just say out loud is, you know, we we are in community and in collaboration with clinics across the state. And what we do is we both pro provide case management and compassionate emotional support to callers, and we move funds directly on their behalf to those clinics. 
And yeah, I'm happy to dive deeper into what the logistics of that look like and what we've seen, uh, particularly since the Dobbs decision, since the reversal of Roe. But uh, one thing I will add is to say that, you know, NIAF has been around for more than 20 years and many abortion funds have been around since many since the Hyde Amendment, um, which uh, barred federal funding for uh, abortion. And, you know, we are not new to this issue, right? We're not new to this. We're true to this. Um, and this is something we've been on the ground fighting for directly um, supporting folks get access. And I only say that to say is that, you know, I recognize a lot of people uh, who are perhaps listening and, and other folks out there might not realize that abortion funds and NIAF particularly have been around for so long and might not realize that barriers to care have existed for so, so long. And while I'm always happy and excited to talk to people about the major changes since the Dobbs decision, I also want to ground us in the fact that, you know, these are these are not new issues, right? This is a new heightened level, right? We are definitely in a crisis, but barriers to care have always existed. And we know that that's true because, you know, economic, racial injustice have also always existed. And we also know that our healthcare system in the United States is a hot mess, right? And I always say that abortion is the most stigmatized form of healthcare. And any healthcare can often be difficult to access for the most marginalized. So that is only heightened when a procedure like abortion is so stigmatized and is being um, chipped away um, at so many levels. So, yeah, abortion funds are amazing. Uh, folks should be following and supporting their local fund, in this case, of course, NIAF. And we really, you know, are on the, the front lines of this struggle like never before. And there's so much expertise, so much love, so much rigor that goes into this work. Uh, and actually, sorry, I was, I was going to wrap up. But one more thing I will add is that so many abortion funds are either volunteer led or volunteer powered. As I mentioned, I am our first and only full time staff person. So most of the work that's happening on a day to day, including right this very second, are with the love and commitment of volunteers, right? Regular members of our community who believe strongly in this work and who are like, hey, I want to help my fellow community members. I want to help folks who are traveling to my community access care. And that's not unique to NIAF, right? Most abortion funds are heavily, heavily volunteer and grassroots led. And that's really unique, you know, for the RJ and sorry, I'm using shorthand, but reproductive justice space and reproductive rights space. Um, and again, I think provides us with a unique perspective and a unique model for what community care can look like. Thank you so much, Chelsea. That was a great introduction to uh, NIAF and abortion funds in general. And Ali, you're here from the New York Civil Liberties Union. A lot of our listeners are probably familiar with ACLU and with the work of organizations like yours broadly. But can you give us the elevator speech about what uh, NYCLU is about? Sure. So a little bit boilerplate here for everybody. If you know the ACLU, you, you know us. We are the largest public interest law firm in the country. So the NYCLU is the New York State affiliate of the American Civil Liberties Union. We are a not-for-profit, nonpartisan organization with eight offices across the state and over 
180,000 members and supporters. Sorry, numbers are hard. It is not actually late at night yet. The NYCLU defends and promotes the fundamental principles and values embodied in the Bill of Rights, the U.S. Constitution, and because we are the New York affiliate, the New York State Constitution, through an integrated program of litigation, legislative advocacy, public education, and community organizing. And obviously, the cog that I am in that system is the legislative advocacy. And that's, you know, what we're here to talk about today is ultimately a bill. Yes, and we are going to get to that bill. Let's just say what it is so we don't leave the listeners in suspense. The Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund, and we will be diving in depth as to what that bill is, what the plan is to get it passed, what it will do, and how it will support people seeking abortions in New York State. Um, But before we get to those details, let's talk a little bit about the big picture of what access to abortion looks like in New York State right now. Um, One thing we hear a lot um, as, as organizers or advocates within New York is, oh, this is a blue state. New York has a long history of protecting abortion. We're going to be fine. We don't need to worry. We're going to be a sanctuary state for other people coming to get abortions. Um, What does the reality look like from from your perspective? And is there anything that the general public might find surprising? And, And Chelsea, let's hear from you first again on this. Sure. So first and foremost, I I cannot stress this enough. We are in a national crisis, a national crisis, right? We know that what happens in quote unquote red states, purple states, um, neighboring states, states that are very far from us, very much affects what happens here in New York. So I think that that's important to really understand and to underscore, right? When one state bans or restricts abortions, there are ripple effects throughout the country. And we're seeing that and we're feeling that here. So obviously the most direct way that that's affecting us in many ways is because people are traveling here for care, right? And I can share more about that in a second, but I do want to talk a bit about what access looks like also for resident New Yorkers. So first and foremost, you know, again, as I mentioned, you know, callers, people that are most marginalized are at the intersections of so many other crises, right? Uh, We think about the migrant crisis, we think about um, economic crisis, we think about racial injustice, criminalization, all these things. And folks are feeling that and it definitely affects how people uh, access abortion. We also know that just like keeping it plain, right? Like abortion can be expensive. Most people don't have a couple hundred dollars for any emergency. And that includes healthcare emergencies and that includes includes reproductive health emergencies. So abortion starts at about $600 in New York state and can be as expensive as $25,000. These numbers are not um, made up, right? Just in the past few days, we've seen several callers uh, with very, very, very expensive procedures based off of medical complexity, later gestational ages, basically meaning they're later in pregnancy uh, and whatnot. I don't know about you, you know, even if you have, uh, you know, a solid uh job or you have some type of economic stability, you probably don't have an extra couple thousand or an extra $25,000 to pay for anything. So just grounding it in the fact that abortion is expensive 
And many people, particularly folks who are already struggling to make ends meet, um, struggle to pay for their procedures. And then you often, when I say that, right, depending on uh, how well you know New York state law, you might say, well, what about insurance? What about Medicaid? And I would say, thank you for asking, right? We know that New York is one of about, is it 16 states? Ali can correct me, maybe it's 17, um, that allow uh, Medicaid to cover abortion, right? So the Hyde Amendment bars uh, federal funding to cover abortion. So most Medicaid users throughout the country cannot use their Medicaid for abortion, but New York State finds kind of a loophole and uses state funds to cover that. Amazing, right? And and definitely uh, a, a um, shows that New York does lead in, in many ways, right? We also know that under New York state law now, uh, insurance policies that are regulated by the state have to cover abortion. Again, amazing. So people are often like, so what's the issue? What's the problem? Well, first, I'll point to the maybe most obvious one. A lot of people don't have insurance, right? Uh, Like a lot of people, right? And maybe folks that are low income but aren't low income enough don't qualify for Medicaid. So we're thinking about a lot of people that are falling through those cracks. Then we got to think about the New Yorkers who live in New York, but either even if they are insured, their insurance might be regulated either by the federal government or by the state government. So a quick example, if you're in the military and you live in New York, you have federal fund, you have federal funded uh, insurance. And because of the Hyde Amendment, it does not cover abortions. Right. Those obviously there's other federal employees that live in in New York outside of the military. But, you know, I often kind of use that as a, a very kind of concrete group of folks. We might think about uh, young people uh, our students that live in New York State, but they ha- are maybe under their parents insurance. Maybe you're from Texas and you're you know going to grad school in New York or maybe you're under the age of 26 and you're still under your parents plans. Well, oftentimes, if those plans are regulated from different states, they don't cover abortion, right? So those are just kind of two, there's so many other people who kind of can fall under those um, kind of those buckets, but those are kind of two examples of people that we get calls from all the time who are like, I have insurance, it doesn't cover abortion, I'm a New York State resident, what do I do? Of course, people who are uninsured at all and and can't um, access abortion. And then we got to think about like the reality, right? So many clinics in this state might um, might cover um, might 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 not accept certain types of Medicaid or certain types of insurance, particularly if we're thinking about folks in rural areas or upstate New York where they have less options. Um, some clinics don't accept Medicaid or insurance after certain gestations. Um, and so on and so forth. So there's so many things that we're seeing. And then, of course, as I mentioned, seeing people from out of state who can't use their insurance at all. And I'll leave it there for now. But there are many, many loopholes and other uh, groups of folks who are really struggling to access care and who are really caught at the intersections of various crises and are seeking the help of NIAF. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with our audience. And I totally believe you. Everything that you said rings so true. Um, In my experience as somebody, you know, living in the world, living in New York City, in New York State. And I think it's um, also important to keep in mind that, you know, the nature of abortion as a healthcare procedure is that there is a a time limit as to, you know, when it makes sense or when it's most 
medically advised to get it done. So you're in a position, if you're needing an abortion, you're in a position where your clock is is really ticking, right? And even if you could scrape together $600, or even if you could scrape together that 25000 that big figure that you mentioned, can you do it in time to secure the care that you're going to need? So I think that's where the work of um, or of abortion funds really become so crucial um, is that it's supporting people who are in a situation that has some urgency to it, that's also vulnerable, that's also potentially emotional for them, potentially not emotional for them, of course, but it's uh, a, a time in somebody's life when they might really need that support. So I really have to thank everybody who's out there, as you say, right now, um, answering calls, talking to patients, helping people get access to the care that they need. You truly are on the front lines of this struggle and just have to thank everybody out there so much for that. Um, you're listening to Revolutions Per Minute here live on WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm live here in the studio with Chelsea Williams-Diggs, who you just heard, of New York Abortion Access Fund. We also are joined by Ali Bohm of the New York Civil Liberties Union. And my name, if you're curious, is Amy Wilson. And we will be getting back to our live panel here. And we're going to be talking about the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund, which is some exciting legislation that is uh, going to address some of these issues we've been discussing so far in the show. Um, but before we hear from Ali on that, just have to take a second, as we usually do here in the middle of our show, to let you know this is a listener-sponsored station. That is an incredibly important part of WBAI's model, and it's why we on Revolutions Per Minute are here in relationship with the station. We are not about corporate funding. We are not about foundation funding. We are about, are about people power and people funding. Um, much like an abortion fund, you might say. Um, we are about a lot of people chipping in just a little bit to make something really special happen, to be part of something, um, to, to be participating in a movement. Um, in our case here at WBAI, the movement is a free speech movement. It's an anti-war movement. It's something that's been going on here in New York City for over 60 years, uh, and it's incredibly significant. It's been significant in struggles for liberation, ranging from black power to the young lords, to LGBT rights, to the struggles of today that we're covering here on RPM almost every week live on Tuesday nights. So I just have to encourage you to please get involved and please, if you can, give a couple of dollars to the station. We use it to keep the lights on. We use it to pay the engineers. Um, which are really, um, who are really helpful uh, people, literally keeping the station running, uh, please call 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950. Or go to WBAI.org. You can make your donation right on there. And we thank you so much for your support of WBAI. If you can, let them know that Revolutions Per Minute is the reason why you're donating. And if you can, make that donation monthly that really helps the station know what to expect and know how to budget and predict what's going to happen into the future. So once again, 212-209-2950 or go to WBAI.org to make your donation tonight in the name of Revolutions Per Minute. Now, Ali, um, thanks for your patience. And I know you're raring to discuss uh, the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund. So please, uh, the floor is yours. Um, tell us about this legislation 
and what it would do to protect access to abortion here in New York State and for people traveling to New York State. Sure. So I'm going to do a little tiny bit more context first to lead us in. So, you know, Chelsea mentioned states have been, and actually before I get there, I want to give one more example of someone whose health insurance might not cover abortion, even though they're here in New York, because this may be the situation for many of your listeners. And those are people who have what are called self-funded plans. New York is prevented by the federal government from regulating self-funded insurance plans. And a lot of large insur- large employers will self-fund. Those are all regulated federally. So again, we can't, even though the state requires insurance coverage for abortion, if you have one of those employer-based insurance plans, you may not have abortion coverage. But you know, since the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, 21 states have banned or restricted abortion. So we are looking at a true crisis here. We know New York has been called upon to be a leader in providing and expanding access to abortion care. And I remember, you know, the governor standing up after the Dobbs decision, I think it was after it leaked, and referring to the Statue of Liberty and, you know, we're going to welcome everybody here. We're going to be a beacon. And yet New York's abortion infrastructure is crumbling. So, you know, Chelsea talked a lot about what that means for patients. On the provider side of things, even for folks who are the lucky ones, right, who have insurance coverage or who have Medicaid coverage, Medicaid reimbursement rates for abortion care fall well below the cost of delivering that care. And delivery costs just continue to to rise. So providers tell us all the time about challenges of uncompensated care, about the need for provider training and capacity, the need to recruit new providers here in New York as the need increases, the need to improve their facilities and enhance their equipment. I will also flag, you know, we've talked a lot about the cost of care itself. If you live in particular regions of the state, there may not actually be an abortion provider in your community. So you may need to travel to another, you know, down to New York City or to another, you know, community in order to get the care you need. And that's particularly true for folks who are later in pregnancy. And that adds additional costs, right? The travel costs, maybe you have childcare costs, you're, you're, you're needing to take time off from work. Where are you staying? You get the idea. So what the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund program bill would do is it would create a sustainable state funding mechanism. And that sustainable piece is really important. The governor has issued some one-time funding for abortion, but one-time funding you can't hire staff on, right? Because you don't know if it's going to be there next year. You You need the program to be sustainable. And then what that funding would go to is it would provide grants to abortion providers. We know who they are. Abortion funds like NIAF, as well as practical support organizations. And those are the organizations that support things like travel or you need a babysitter so that you can go to your appointment. Anything that a patient needs in order to get the care that they need, that's what the practical support organizations step in for. And those are the entities that make the right to care a reality for people seeking abortion here in New York. If we are going to be a beacon for access to care, we need to make sure that everyone who needs to get care here can afford that care. And we need to make sure that the infrastructure is there to provide that care. The fact that we have a right to abortion here in New York that's been codified into our state law 
doesn't mean very much if people can't afford to access that care. And so the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund is really about being that bridge that takes the right into into a reality for people's lives. Wow, that is so beautifully said, Ali. Um, I thank you so much for for laying that out for our listeners. And I do want to say in response to something that you just said, you know, we, we have the right abstractly to an abortion here in New York State. But um, one thing that people who have listened to this show before may know about me is that I'm an abortion rights organizer myself. And I do some work that puts me outside of Planned Parenthood on during clinic hours when people are coming in to get abortions. And I've seen what that's like for people. And we're talking, you know, the heart of downtown Manhattan. We're not talking some rural or red state environment or whatever boogeyman people want to think of when they talk about barriers to care. So in addition to all that you, Ali and Chelsea, have mentioned so far tonight about the racial justice issues, the economic issues, the issues of borders and people migrating um, and coming from different economic and physical situations to New York to receive care. There's also uh, a lot of, unfortunately, harassment that happens at the street level um, when you're talking about places where this care is being provided. So there's all these different ways in which, yes, we may have a right to an abortion, but exercising that right has become very difficult for a lot of people. And that's where we're coming in as organizers and, and advocates. So what I'm going to do is I, I think this is an issue that a lot of people out there are passionate about. I'm wondering if people have questions for you two. You've been so knowledgeable so far this hour. What I'm going to do is go ahead and open our phones here in the studio for anybody who'd like to ask a question of Allie and Chelsea. Um, the number here is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877, the number here in the studio. And while we wait for any callers to dial, let me ask the question that I'm sure is on a lot of people's minds as they're listening to this, which is, how do I help? How do I get involved with um, either the work of an abortion fund or with this legislative effort um, of passing the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund? Uh, so let's go to you first, Ali, um, on the question of what can people do to get involved and help? And then we'll see if we have any callers and, and we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, I wouldn't be a lobbyist if I wasn't telling you to call your lawmakers. So, you know, the first thing we need to do to pass a bill, well, maybe not the first thing, but a primary thing we need to do right now to pass a bill is show our lawmakers that this is a thing that we, as their constituents, demand and want to see happen. And so I have two resources for folks to make it really easy to contact your lawmakers and ask them to pass the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund. People can go to our website, which is www.nyclu.org. And if you click on the Take Action button and you scroll down, you may have to scroll a little bit, but you will find an action alert that says Protect Abortion Access in New York. And if you click on that, you can, and I don't know if you have program notes, but I will share the link, the direct link, and people can maybe go to the program notes and get it. Um, but if you click on that, you can fill out a message to send directly to your lawmakers asking them to pass the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund. If that was too cumbersome, you can also go to nyassembly.gov 
and look up your lawmaker directly and call their office and tell them how important it is to you to pass the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund. I'm sending you to the Assembly for a reason. The Senate looks like it is poised to hopefully pass this bill very, very soon. It passed it last session, and we are cautiously optimistic that it will pass it again this session. So we are very eager to get it through on the Assembly side. For folks who are making calls, the Assembly number is A361-B. You can just say A361, and just for, for parity, it's S348C. Um, the other thing that folks can do, and I'm sure Chelsea will say more about this, but y'all, abortion funds are, found, are funded by people. People power is what gets other people the healthcare that they need. And so, you know, if folks have the ability to donate not only to this program, but also to the New York Abortion Access Fund, uh, that is a fantastic way to advance the delivery of abortion care in New York. Yes, don't be shy. <laughs> Make the ask. Um, I can't do it, <laughs> but you should. Um, Chelsea, uh, anything to add to the question of how do people get involved? How do we get off our couch? How do we start making a difference um, and helping people get access to care? Sure. Yes. Donate if you're able at nyaaf.org slash donate. Uh, you can also, um, you can donate there. You can donate through our PayPal. And if possible, making it monthly and recurring, those, of course, are those those magic donations, even if they're as, as, as low as a couple dollars a month, that really help build sustainability. I, I'd say, you know, we are, we just closed applications for a volunteer case manager training, uh, basically bringing more folks into our community to help support other community members and folks traveling here. We'll be doing that training in about two weeks, and unfortunately, that application is closed. So excited for to train about 40 new case managers, and I'd say for folks who were not able to apply this round, to keep an eye out for future opportunities to do case management or other volunteer work. You know, following us on social media, our Instagram is NYAAFUND, so NIAF Fund, and our Twitter is NYAAF. So just keep keep in touch on social to see other opportunities. And then I think, you know, for folks who are not able to donate or want to do more, what we've been really, really surprised and humbled to see is how many folks are mobilizing their communities to host fundraisers. We've seen some really creative fundraisers, particularly since the Dobbs decision, concerts, art shows, you know, different fun things that folks are doing to say like, hey, let's bring together my people, my people's people, people that aren't yet my people to raise some money and talk about our love for abortion funds, our love for abortion. So that's something we're always excited to see. And we do have a handy dandy resource to help folks uh, mobilize and uh, create their own fundraisers. And those are often fun when I'm able, I like to stop in and, and, and connect with folks and can speak. And those I think are the most beautiful uh, show of people power, right? It's not just about giving money directly. It's also about mobilizing your friends and your family and your community uh, to fundraise in a fun way. Absolutely. Um, 
those sound like great ideas. Uh, I just want to remind our listeners that we're live here in the studio. This is Revolutions Per Minute, and our phone lines are open. Um, I've got two really smart, really knowledgeable people here in the studio tonight, and we're talking about protecting access to abortion in New York State, a topic I'm extremely passionate about. I know Chelsea and Allie are as well. Um, we can take uh, maybe one or two questions if anybody wants to ask a question or make a comment about uh, the topic of abor abortion access. The number here in the studio is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. And I'm happy to continue the discussion um, with Allie and Chelsea as we come to the end of tonight's show. And Ali, a question for you in terms of, um, you know, what's what's next for the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund, and and what's what's the context of the bill? I know that it was previously in front of the legislative session, didn't get passed the first time, and this is a, a second go around. So, would you mind uh, telling us just a little bit more about uh, the road ahead for for getting this done? Well, we're in the right time of year for it. So the governor has released her budget proposal today. Uh, when I get off, I will be pouring through it. Uh, but, you know, and, and what is going to happen from there is that each of the chambers will release their own budget proposals probably sometime in February or early March. And then the three parties, the governor, the Senate, and the Assembly are going to go behind closed doors and negotiate a final budget bill. Because the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund is ultimately a funding proposal, the appropriate place for it to pass and the place that I think everyone would like it to pass is in the budget. So this is a time where we and our phenomenal coalition partners, of which there are many, are going to be doing a lot of pushing on all three uh, parties who are going to be at that table to urge them to include the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund. As you alluded to, the Senate did pass the Reproductive uh, Equity Fund. Uh, oh my goodness, words. <laughs> the Senate did pass the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Fund last session on the Roe anniversary, or I think actually the day after, because I think the Roe anniversary was a Sunday um, at the end of January. And we are expecting them to do the same thing this year. So we expect that it will pass the Senate. I, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I could always be surprised at the end of this month. And I think at this juncture, we are both in heavy conversation with all three branches around getting it into the budget. And we're also in heavy conversation with the assembly to understand what the holdup is for them over there from passing it as a standalone, because that is the other route. Both chambers can pass it um, as a standalone bill whether that is before budget, during budget, after budget, any time until they adjourn in June, they can push it over the finish line. Uh, we have heard rumors about where concerns may lie. Uh, one of them that I find truly enraging is that there is concern about funding people from outside of New York State. And I think, um, you know, first of all, if we are going to reference the Statue of Liberty and talk about being a beacon and how people you know, are welcome to come here, we need to truly make them welcome to come here for care. And that, that does mean spending. Second of all, 
ultimately we are spending on care that is being provided in New York and on things like accommodations in New York. So we're talking about money that is being spent here. And then I think the third point, which Chelsea, you may be able to provide more more color on, is my sense is that most of the people who y'all are funding are are either New Yorkers or people who are seeking and receiving care here in New York. Um, So it's a bit of a boogeyman, this idea that we are funding, oh, we don't want to spend New York state funds on out of state people. That's, That's mostly not happening, but also as a matter of moral conscience, if there's the need, that is a thing we should be doing because we want to be a beacon, because we want to be an access state. And because abortion is ultimately healthcare, and you know, I, I think on some level, I don't want to say this is the only type of healthcare where we're having you know bake sales and concerts to make sure that people can get the healthcare they need, but it is certainly healthcare that has been singled out to make it really, really hard for people to get in ways that that we would never um, permit as a society for other types of care, and that's enraging and disappointing, and it would be really wonderful to see our state uh, step up in this way and really put its thumb on the scale for people who need to get, you know, people who need care should be able to get the care they need. I can certainly agree with that, and I think those are uh, great words to start ending our show on. I will say just from my own personal opinion, I I think these two, there's two issues that are extremely linked, and that's abortion and gender affirming care, both of which are under attack in many places in the United States. Tonight's show is focused on abortion access, but I I believe we would all be in agreement about the idea that gender affirming care is just as essential and just as politicized. And when we're talking about bodily autonomy, it's a type of healthcare that is absolutely um, in the mix with that conversation. We're talking about all types of um, forms of justice. So Chelsea, it's been wonderful having you here in the studio tonight. I'd love to give you a chance um, for just a few more last words before we come to the end of the show. Thanks, Amy. And, and thank you, Ali, for grounding us in you know just yeah the reality of all of this. I, I do want to say NIAF's the majority of NIAF's callers, about 68%, so the vast majority of NIAF's callers, remain resident New Yorkers, right? And that both is a call to action for New Yorkers um, as a community to say, hey, we're supporting each other, and as a call to action to our state legislators to say, hey, we need to support resident New Yorkers. The remaining callers are folks who are traveling to New York for care. And since the Dobbs decision, we've supported callers from 32 states, and I believe the number was 12 countries, and that's a show for another day around the ways that these issues are global, and also the ways that New York City and New York State are global, you know, are global in, in, in nature as well. So many people in New York State, in New York City, have connections, have loved ones that are living in states and in countries where abortion is banned or further restricted. And we also know that even in states that you know consider themselves to also be safe havens, many of them also have to travel, particularly for care later in pregnancy. We often see people 
from our surrounding states, such as Massachusetts and others coming to New York. And then, of course, folks from Texas, Florida, Georgia, and throughout the country traveling. So I think that's also really important to understand that so many people travel to New York, even if it's not necessarily their closest clinic, because they have family, friends, loved ones, other connections to the city or the state. And it's often easier to travel here than other places. So I think that's another kind of piece that connects it. And the one other thing I do want to add before I finish is the connection to the migrant crisis, right? We're seeing so many folks coming to New York City and to New York State for so many reasons, right, to to find safety uh, and to find uh, a, a new home. And many of those people have the capacity to become pregnant. And many of those people are pregnant or will get pregnant, right? So we're also seeing how abortion care is deeply connected to the ways that New York City and New York State can show up for recently arrived migrants and for our undocumented community who are community members just like us and deserve care just like all of us. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Um, Abortion is a human right. And I think protecting access to it is something that is, is so essential to everybody's ability to live a free, happy life. And as a socialist and this being a socialist produced program, I just want to say how deeply I believe that we have enough resources to provide care for everybody and to meet the needs of everybody in our community. We just need to be using the resources differently, but we have enough. We have enough. We actually have more than enough to provide care for everybody in our community. Um, And with that final thought, I'll leave you. Um, This has been Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. To connect with us after the show, you can email us at revolutionsnyc at gmail.com. You can find us on our website, revolutionsperminute.simplecast.com, where we will have a link to this show and a link to all of the things you heard discussed in terms of ways to take action. That's revolutionsperminute.simplecast.com or on Twitter at NYCRPM. My live guests tonight were Chelsea Williams-Diggs and Allie Bohm. My name is Amy Wilson. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope that our words hit home with you. We'll see you next week. Good night. Mm -hmm.